I think the Lord has something for us this morning, and I don't want to interrupt any momentum that God has. I, do you feel the Lord's presence here today? I'm not the only one that's feeling this, right? I, <clears throat> I think the Lord has something for us here today. We're going to just jump right in. This is week two of our series, Taste and See. We, we started it last week, Taste and See that the Lord is Good, and I think we've done that here this morning, haven't we? Tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Psalm chapter 34. It's going to be on uh, the screens as well. Psalm chapter 34. We are looking at this psalm through um, this one chapter all summer long. So we get to uh, dissect it a little bit, uh, hear exactly uh, everything in context, and, uh, and kind of a little bit of a deep dive into it. So I like doing things like this from time to time. Take a chapter and, and learn as much about it as we possibly can and see what God has for us. And God, uh, God obviously knew what we, were <laughs> what we were preaching about this morning uh, with our message in tongues interpretations thing. It is right on line. So uh, let's, let, let's just get to it. Psalm chapter 34. Uh, we're going to read the whole chapter. Verse 1. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. I think we said that, that line even this morning. Let us exalt His name together. I prayed to the Lord and He answered me. Has He ever answered you before? He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. The angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear Him. If Psalm chapter 34 is our foundation, this next verse is our cornerstone for the summer. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you His godly people. For those who fear Him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. I need to get your amens ready this morning because it's happening, okay? Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil. Y'all didn't want to hear that. <laughs> and your lips from telling lies. Those same lips that he says are constantly speak his praises. We can't have lips that speak praises and then also have lips that tell lies and speak evil. That's in a couple weeks. <laughs> the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person 
The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous, not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely destroy the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve Him. No one who takes refuge in Him will be condemned. And all God's people said, Amen. Our cornerstone verse is taste and see that the Lord is good. It's an invitation. It's not a command. It's an invitation. Taste for yourself. Come try for yourself. And taste and see that the Lord is good. What we're focusing on this morning is those first three verses of Psalm 34. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. The NIV says, His praise will always be on my lips. That's how the NIV says it. His praise will always be on my lips. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. We talked about last week how he wrote this psalm, this song, after another song went viral, after another song went crazy all over Israel and even beyond Israel. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. It was a song that those in Israel sang and it was a song that was all about David and the greatness of David. And David said, no, 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 I'm not great. The Lord is great. And so we're going to sing a song to the Lord. We're not singing songs about me. We're singing songs about the Lord. And David found himself in, a, in, a, in an odd place of being in both in a valley where his mentor and king was out to kill him, but also on a mountaintop where everybody else in the country was singing praises to him. And all of us in this room have been in a valley and we've been on the mountain. And how do we respond to both of those things? We turn our eyes to the Lord. We turn our eyes to the Lord who is the helper of us, helper of our faith, and then we we realize that we're not the ones that put us up on the mountain. It is God who did that. And so his first inclination here is to worship God. Is to praise and to worship God. That's the first thing he does. And he spends the first three verses doing just that. Praising and worshiping God. Now, when we think of praise and worship, many times we think of one or two things in the context of church. We think of, well, I guess what we just did. This, this 25, 30 minutes, whatever, of, of time before the preaching where we sing songs to the Lord. Now, in, in many uh, spots, the word worship is in the Bible about 250 times. Most of those times, that is what it's referring to. It is referring to lifting praises to the Lord. It's in the Old Testament. Paul talks about instructions for worship. And so, yes, they, many times when it says worship, we are talking about singing actual praises and songs to the Lord. Maybe another thing that what you're thinking, especially Old Testament or way back when, are, are, are those who worshipped idols maybe. They would put a, a wooden figure or a stone figure on a mantle and they would bow their, you know, and, uh, and they'd chant something or whatever. And so that was worshipping an idol or worshipping another god. And so that's probably typically what we most often think whenever we think of the word worship. Worship is an expression of reverence and adoration. 
that can include songs and does very often include songs. But worship is more than just the 30 minutes of singing a song together. I am so thankful for the worship and singing songs together to the Lord with the church body. I am so thankful for that. Even though I can't sing, it's probably my favorite part of the sermon or of the service. I love to worship the Lord. <clears throat> but it is more than just that time of singing songs together. To say it another way, worship continues at the end of church service today. Worship continues. It's more than just singing the songs together. We see this in the Old Testament. And David was a historian and he talked about it a lot. But we see in the Old Testament, uh, if you read the text, remember when Abraham went to sacrifice his son Isaac to the Lord? You remember the story? If you read what it says, he's, it's, it's Abraham and it's Isaac and he's got some servants and they're walking and he's going to sac- God has told Abraham to, to sacrifice Isaac, the Lord, his only son. And, and they come up and they see the hill where they're supposed to do it. And he turns to his servants and he says, stay here. Me and the boy will go worship the Lord. That's what it says. We will go worship the Lord, and then we will come back to you, okay? Well, he's not playing an acoustic set with his son, okay? There's no, like, bongo drums. Like, they didn't go to sing a song, okay? They went to be obedient to the Lord. His obedience to the Lord was lifted up as worship to God. So when God said, go do this, his act of worship was obeying God. When we obey the Lord, we are worshiping Him. It has nothing to do with singing a song. They might have sang a song also, but the point of it is we're going to go and we're going to worship the Lord. How are we going to worship? We're going to obey what God says. And of course, you know the story that, he, that the Lord provided something for him. When they were in Egypt, when they were enslaved, Moses went to Pharaoh and he said, most of you know this, let my people go. Have you seen the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, right? Let my people go. Did you know? Read the text. There is not a period after go. There is a comma. Let my people go so that they may go worship me. Let my people go so they may go worship me. They were not called out of slavery to go sing a song. It wasn't for a worship set and then we'll come back. Okay? They were worshiping God when they followed the path that God had for them. So while they were in Egypt, their whole life was wrapped up in what Pharaoh had for them to do. But what God was saying is, let my people go. My people do not worship Egypt and you and this. They are going to worship the Lord by following the path that I have laid out for them. When we follow God's direction for our life... We are worshiping Him because we're choosing not to worship how we think our life should go or how anybody else thinks that our life should go, our direction, our plans, our agenda. When we follow what God has for us, we worship Him. We might sing a song or two along the way, but that is our worship, obedience, following Him. Do you remember when Moses went up on the, mountaintop, on the mountaintop to get the Ten Commandments. And he's gone for so long. And all the Israelites came back and they said, Hey, Aaron, we don't know where this Moses is. Remember this story? Fashion us a god or an idol. And so they take off their earrings and their gold bracelets. They put it in the fire and out pops this golden calf. 
and they began to worship this golden calf. And what did it say? What did Aaron say? This is the God who brought you out of Egypt. Blasphemy. That is not what happened at all. They began to worship. Now, they might have sung a song, I don't know. But they turned to this golden calf, this gold, which came from Egypt. It was items. And they worshipped him and what they were saying. <laughs> they turned their attention. They turned from the God who actually delivered and saved them and turned to something else to find satisfaction. So they worshipped the golden calf. Does that make sense? They turned their obedience, their following, and they turned from acknowledging God as their Savior. And now they put the acknowledgement on something else and they worshipped it. They now begin to follow this. Of course, Moses comes down angrily, throws the tablets down, all of this. God is the one who led them out of Egypt. So that's who we worship. So we worship in song, yes, but we worship in our obedience. We worship in our following. We worship in our trusting. We worship in our who do we find our satisfaction in. Do we find our satisfaction in us and what we think and what the world? Or do we look for our satisfaction and our sustenance in the God of heaven and earth. That's when we worship. Deuteronomy 12, just to read a couple of verses. They're going through, they're going through their life. These are the decrees and laws you must be careful to follow in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you to possess as long as you live in the land. So there are things that I want you to do, that you need to do to follow and to worship me. So then what does he say in verse 2? Destroy completely all the places on the high mountains, on the hills, and under every spreading tree where the nations you are disp dispossessing worship their gods. Amen. Completely take it down. That is not who you worship. That's not, where your, that's not where your eyes meet. Your eyes meet up here. These are distractions. Verse 3. Break down their altars. Smash their sacred stones. Burn their Asherah poles to the, in the fire. Cut down the idols of their gods and wipe out their names from those places. All of their, how, how they worship, you're not going to worship the way that they worship. All of those things, you don't do that. In fact, completely destroy them. Don't even leave them as an option. And then verse 4, you must not worship the Lord your God in their way. Like there was a way to worship them. And it was through all of these other things. But God said, you don't worship them that way. It's not they, they had different songs to those gods. They worshiped God and that they followed these other gods. They gave uh, reverence and adoration to these other gods and not to the true God. And so he said to break down all of their things, smash the sacred stones, burn their astropoles. So they were worshiping in a way that was different than God wanted you to worship. They were worshiping the Lord with their time and their energy and their finances. They used their body in front of the Asherah poles to worship their gods. And is that so different from today? Do we in this world, in this country, in this society, in this culture, do we worship 
ourselves? Do we use our finances? Do we use our time? Do we use our body to do what we want to, what feels good? And in doing so, we follow, or we are obedient to, or we give reference or adoration to our way of living, our selfish desires, as opposed to what God wants us to do. We cannot worship both. We cannot come in here with lips of praises and then leave from this place and do whatever we want to do. That's serving two gods. That's worshiping two gods. It doesn't mean anything if you sing a song and then do these things. It doesn't mean anything. I can't say it any stronger. It doesn't mean anything. You can come in here and sing a song and you come out here and you do whatever you want to with your body and your finances and your time and your energy and your resources, whatever it is. It doesn't mean anything. And we, we, the church, the world, they do this. Now, I was in the Old Testament. Let's look in the New Testament. When Satan went to tempt Jesus, right? Tempted Jesus with three different things. Satan asked Jesus, what was, what was the third temptation? I'll give you all this if you worship me. Was the devil asking Jesus to sing a song to him? <laughs> no. He wasn't asking him to sing a song. He was saying... Turn from your heavenly Father, and if you turn and follow me and be obedient to me, then I'll give you the world. Of course, Jesus just shrugs that off. But Satan was not interested in a song. Satan was interested in Jesus turning his eyes off of the heavenly Father and turning his actions to what Satan wanted him to do. That's worship. Not just singing a song, but that's Worship. How about when Jesus walked on the water? Walked on the water and Peter and he starts to sink and he picks Peter up and they get back in the boat and the Bible says that they worshipped him. Here's Jesus, just walked on the water, never seen anything like that before. They get in the boat and they started singing a song? I don't think so. They worshipped him and that they turned from what they thought... <laughs> a man should be, or a God should be, or what they're going to do. And we're going to turn ourselves to Jesus. From that point on, they didn't go hear another guest speaker. They wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Okay? Rabbi Bill's going to be in town? I don't care. I want to hear what Jesus has to say. Right? Because he just walked on water. I'm following that guy. So they turned all of this other stuff, what they thought, the culture of the day, anything else, Whatever this guy says, he just walked on water. They worshipped him. I feel like you're still not with me. Have I not convinced you? John chapter 4. Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And they begin to talk about her past sins and they're doing these things. And she says, obviously you're a prophet. And so as he starts talking about repentance and sin, she wants to change the subject. You remember what she says? She says, you know, you Jews say that we're supposed to worship over here, but we Gentiles say it's worship, it's okay to worship over here. What do you say? She's talking about physical worship. You Jews say worship like this, hands raised, or we worship on this mountain. We Gentiles say we worship over here. Physical acts of worship, which are important. But Jesus turns that and he says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father 
in spirit and in truth. It's more than just the physical place. It's more than just do I raise two hands or is one hand okay? It's more than that. Like that's fine, but it's more than that. It's more than just the singing of the song. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. When we worship God, there are things in the spirit realm more than just the physical realm. And so when we worship God in spirit, what we're doing is we are putting our trust, not in this over here, we are putting our trust in the Lord. We, di- we are diverting our eyes away from this and to the Lord. It is more. It has to be more than the hour and a half on Sunday morning. It has to be. There's no way we can go through an entire week and go, well, I did the hour and a half thing. It's more than that. And if that's all it is, Jesus died on the cross for an hour and a half? Like, it's more than that. It's our whole life. It's everything we wrapped up into. It's our decisions. It's everything. It's our, it's our obedience, whether we're supposed to give our son on the altar or not. Whether we're supposed to leave Egypt, and, the, and they even wanted to go back to Egypt. The comfort of Egypt, we had food in Egypt. We, we give up the comfort to go out into the desert. We have no idea where God is taking us. Sometimes it's leaving comfort. And for everybody to say, you're crazy, and say, God's going this way, so I'm going that way. That's worship. That's worshiping God. Everybody worships something. Not everybody sings songs to something. Everybody worships something. You worship money. You worship work. You worship relationships. You worship yourself. You worship your feelings. Well, this is how I feel. I know that the Word of God says this, but I just feel in this day and age... You just worshipped yourself. You just worshipped your feelings. That's what you just did. Everybody's going to worship something. But there is worship that is in the mind and the spirit realm as well. So you say, okay, well, how do I do this? I'm wanting to do right things. If you want to change your behavior, change who you worship. If you want to change your behavior, you say, I just keep getting myself stuck in this same old you know, thing where I keep looking at the same stuff on the internet or I see, keep saying the same thing to my wife and it's breaking down the relationship and I can't, you know, I'll do good for a little while because I'm okay at it and I'm getting better at it, but I keep falling and I keep doing this because you keep worshiping how you feel in the moment as opposed to pointing your eyes to Jesus Christ. So if you want to change this behavior, then you change who you worship. We, go, we can go old school. Talk about getting drunk, smoking, cussing, whatever else, all the things we used to talk about that you shouldn't do. Um, you, you want to stop doing those things? Well, you, you are worshiping how you feel in the moment and what you want. I just need to let off some steam. Just give me one weekend. 
you're worshiping what you feel and what you think as opposed to turning and putting your eyes on Jesus. Non-Christians don't want to read their Bible because they haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good. They haven't tasted. But Christians, Christ followers, we are made into new creations, are we not? We are made into a new creation. And so we want to read our Bible more. We want to go to church more. We want to pray because we have tasted the goodness of God. And it's way better than anything that we have over here. It completely changes our behavior. Let me give you a small example. This is not an earth-shattering. This is an everyday example. One of these that maybe all of us have, have been in. We talked about it at men's breakfast yesterday. A couple days ago, I, I had to go mail something. I needed to overnight something. Okay, And so I drive, and I go to FedEx. And everybody was on the road between me and FedEx, I think. And it, there was just traffic. It was just, da, da, da. I finally get to FedEx, and they say, oh, it's a P.O. box. You have to go to the post office to overnight something. We can't do it. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And so I, I you know, I get back in my car. And so I, I purposely went to FedEx because it was closer. I didn't want to go all the way to Richmond. So I literally had to drive my car past the church to then go up this way and go to the post office. And I was just, you know, I got more stuff to do. I got a sermon I got to write. I, I, you know, I did, that's not what I wanted to do, okay? And I could feel the frustration welling up in me. Have you ever been there? You could kind of feel, and this guy gets in front of me again, you know? And it's like, okay. And I I, I felt myself starting to get a little angry with myself in the car, in the truck, right? I felt myself get there. And sometimes it feels good to be mad at somebody. You know what I'm saying? It feels good to be mad at somebody. Maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> you know, you ever have these inner monologue fights with someone and you win every time. That's why you do it there. You don't actually have the fight because you might lose. You, you talk to yourself, you know. And another thing, mom, you know, it's like you always win that fight. I'm just kidding. I love you, mom. But you had this inner, right? And I, I, could, I could literally feel it start to well up in me as I'm driving. And then I stopped. And I said, Lord, let me just, hold on. Let me just go ahead and say thank you that I live in a day and time where I can overnight something. Like we're not living, there's not Pony Express, okay? Like I am so overly blessed beyond anything that I can ever imagine is it really a big deal that I'm 40 minutes out of my way and I'm, able to, I'm still able to do what I wanted to do and get done? It took a little longer than I wanted. And so I said, Lord, I, you know what? I'm sorry. God, I love you and thank you. And that's pretty much all I said. In that moment, I chose not to worship my feelings that were welling up. Okay? And I chose... To worship the Lord. And I did it all without Hillsong or Bill Gaither. Okay? (laughs) Neither one was required. Only God was. But I thought, if I was the type of person that I cared only about my feelings and what I thought about something, if that's who I worshipped, then what would my behavior have been? 
I would have come back to the office and Angie and Naomi would have heard about it. I would have taken that stuff home and Becky would have heard about it. Like, not even heard the story, just would have felt the anger. Right? You take that stuff home with you. But because I've changed who I worship, believe it or not, a peace that passes all understanding filled my truck and it was gone. Because I changed who I worship. I'm not going to worship my feelings. I'm not going to worship what I think. I'm not going to worship me, me, me. Woe is me. I'm going to worship the Lord. I talked to Blake this week about what I was talking about. I'm going to steal what he said. All right? He said it. But I love how he says it. Worship is a heart posture. It's where, where are you turning your heart? I would say a bend. He says posture. I like the word posture. Where is your heart? Where is it directed to? Is your heart directed to the things that you want to feel like? Or is your heart directed toward God? It's more than a song. It's our life. We worship when we work. We worship when we parent. We worship when we compete. We worship when we invest our time. We worship when we talk to others about others. We worship when we make financial decisions. We worship when we plan our weekends. We worship when we decide to read our Bible or watch one more episode. We worship when we are honest with ourselves and change our opinion on something that we have always thought but goes counter to the Word of God. We worship when we treat our wife like Christ treats the church. We worship when we honor our husband. We worship when we honor our father and mother. We worship when we make every decision we ever make. We worship every day, all the time, never will stop until our last day on this earth, and then we lay down our crowns before Jesus and worship Him forever. We worship Him forever. Forever. That's when we worship. Listen, there is a future self out there. Okay? Like, there's, there's you, but in the future. And who you worship today determines where you are in the future. Even more scary, who did you worship three years ago? What did you worship two years ago? What did you worship one year ago? You're, you're, you are the future of where you were three years ago, and now you are all of those decisions made up of the last three years. Some of you didn't live here three years ago, but because of a decision, you're now sitting in this room because of a decision you made months, years ago. Well, where, what about your future self now? What does he look like in one year? What will you worship and where will you be in one year? If you worshiped yourself and your feelings and what you thought, where would you be in a year? If you worshiped the true living God, every day, every decision, where would you be in a year? Guys, come on up. We're going to worship the Lord. (laughs) We're going to worship the Lord in our devotion. We're going to worship the Lord in our faithfulness. We're going to worship the Lord with our hands and our singing once again. But it's just this outward expression of this reverence and adoration. I will praise the Lord at all times, David says. David says, I will constantly speak his praises or his praise will always be on my lips I will boast only in the Lord let all who are helpless take heart come 
Let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Can you stand with me this morning? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Very simple. I'm going to open up the altar. Some of you are are like, okay, I've I've been holding back. I've been doing this and this for the Lord, but I've not been doing this. And I've got to to give it to Him. I've been worshiping myself, my feelings, whatever it is. I'm going to open up. But here's, just find a place to pray, okay? Whether it's up here, it's at your seat. I want us to pray first and then we'll sing. Because I want us to I want us to worship before we worship. Okay? I want us to worship before we worship. Like the disciples did in Jesus. They turned their hearts to the Lord. And sometimes we have to say that out loud. God, I turn away from this and my feelings on this, and I turn to you. So right now, one, two, three, would you find a place to pray? If that's coming to the altar, that's fine. If that, just find a place to pray and talk to the Lord. Say, God, I choose by my actions to worship you, not worship myself, not worship this culture, not worship what my friends say. I choose to worship you. Will you find a place to pray this morning? And let's worship God, and then we're going to worship God, and then we're going to leave this place, and we're going to worship God. Can we worship the Lord this morning? Give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. If our praises are constantly on our lips, that doesn't mean we're constantly singing a worship song. That means that we are constantly pointing our eyes to Jesus. And we make decisions based on that. We make our decisions because we're worshiping him, not worshiping us or culture or anybody else. Lord, thank you for this day and all your many blessings. Lord, help us. To worship you. Yes, in song. But in so much more than that as well. Oh, we love you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for a time of worship. And thank you for the next week of worship. And month of worship. And year of worship. And every day for the rest of our life, worship. Thank you for the opportunity to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.